Hello, this is our Autumn Equinox episode. Just some informal contents that we are providing you as a bonus episode. But I do have some content warnings for this one. We are facing undead and ghosts and a lot of spirituality with spirits and that sort of thing. So if that's not your cup of tea, you might want to skip this one. But enjoy the show. It is a crisp fall day, and you look up to the trees to your left and to your right, and you can see the dew beginning to fall. It's early morning, you have just started your travel day, and you know you're about to arrive on the Crystalline Crossroads, the small town that's supposed to house a festival near the Pearl River. Crystalline Crossroads is a pretty small town, about 400 people here. But when the festival comes, everything expands, and merchants come to sell their goods, but primarily, you guys are carrying these lanterns in your hands. These lanterns that you may have designed, built yourself, or you may have purchased from a merchant along the way that signifies your ancestors. And you're going to place this lantern on the Pearl River to help the souls of your friends and family wherever they may be. What does that mean for you? I don't know. Maybe you have different sort of emotions and feelings. Maybe you're excited. Maybe you're just here to go uh, eat all the street food that's certain to be delicious. As you can already see a merchant passing you with these large durian and jackfruits that are passing by. You are traveling. You're about an hour away from this town. You're traveling either by walking. Perhaps you have a horse. Or there is this yellow bird-like creature that you could have rented or purchased somewhere in your travels. But as we move forward, why don't we go ahead and get some character descriptions for the, the three of you and sort of like, tell me a little bit about your mindset going to this town or this festival to respect your ancestors. Okay, Vivette is riding one of the yellow birds. She thinks it's fun. It's the first time doing it and she's never seen anything with feathers like this before. She has her hair up in this trinket she bought from a roadside stand. It's a nice almost fan design that holds her hair in place behind her head. It's beautiful and red and she's wearing a new dress that is black. It's very strappy and sheer fabric. It's black and red and white and she is eating a piece of fruit and looking to place this lantern for her ancestors, though she doesn't know much about them, hoping for good in them. But she picked a dark one because she thinks that's very fitting for her family. So sitting high up on a horse because of his distrust for this new animal he's just learned about for the first time now, 
Arnar rides into town wearing his relatively new Mariner plate. He's got this plate armor. It's got some ridges on it. It's got scales designed into it, not coming off of it. On his left breast, he's got the sword and anchor crossed symbol of his profession embedded with some slight red dye. Underneath it, though, he's wearing something that's not normal for him, something he's been told is the traditional getup for the area. He's trying to, you know, fit in with the thing, be like, you know, respectful to the tradition, but not look like an idiot poser. So underneath the armor, he's got like some of the like the local robes, like a bit more colorful than he's used to. Probably like a nice dark red with like some gold trim on it. Yeah, he's a dragonborn, larger than most dragonborn, bronze scales. He's got three distinct scars going down front of his neck. Big old great sword slung over his shoulder. And he's also carrying one of these lanterns. It is the color of a old copper that's like turning green. It doesn't really, I don't know, it's fabric, not metal, so it's kind of hard to get the exact, but it's alluding to patinaed copper a bit. And it matches a armband he has on his left arm, that same style. So, Casey, the little blonde human fighter boy, he's riding on one of these new birds that he has never seen before. I don't think he's even ridden a horse, so this is very new to him. And in one hand, he's holding one of these lanterns. But in the other hand, he's holding what he was told is a durian fruit. And he is very confused by it, and he doesn't know what he's supposed to do with it. Nice. Why? Why? <laughs> it smells pretty bad. So, you are holding this fruit, and as you look around, you're kind of trying to get an idea of the other travelers on the road. Probably a most interest to Arnar is we are seeing people that kind of remind you of scales. These gem dragonborns filled with sapphires, topazes, jade, and ruby, and... So these these dragonborn are a little skinnier. They seem to have some form of almost like a whisker almost coming out of their face, almost like facial hair, but dragonborns don't don't generally have facial hair. They're tendril-esque type things. Yeah. Like a sensory thing. Yeah, I guess like a sensory thing, yeah. And about 40% of the people you pass are these new kind of gem dragonborns that you're you're largely unfamiliar with. Now, when you look around, there's also humans, elves, dwarves, halflings, but there's definitely a majority of these very smooth, shiny, almost like catches your eye as you look at it. You would imagine this is a jeweler's dream to see these things. And you get a couple of interesting looks because of the sword on your back. That sheathed, uh, sheathed. Like, it's almost they can't see the. It's, it's almost like can't see the the gem and the <laughs> scale in it. But it's like they look at it and they like question it, just like ever so slightly. Like they can sense something weird about it. They're not questioning you about it at this point, but there's almost like this connection, and they're trying to see if it's like from you, perhaps, or maybe like looking you upside down, being also a dragonborn. But I think Arnar can figure out kind of like the true source of their suspicion. Uh, am I the only standard dragonborn in sight? There may be a one or two like, uh, yeah. around. Okay. So this is a this is also another festival. So there are going to be people traveling here to sort of see the sights and try to respect their ancestors as much as possible. But you do get that sense that you are being watched. Maybe it could be because you guys are not from this area as well, but hmm. normally you don't get, like, suspicious glances when you are traveling. Well, I try to avoid drawing my weapon whenever possible regardless, but uh, I feel as though 
having one of their scales embedded in my sword might not send a great message around here, so let's try to avoid, you know, picking any fights. Although, normally, the fights pick us, like with that last one, that weird old man and the flying machine. I don't understand. All right. Nice, calm day on a river. So you guys begin to head into the crystalline crossroads. First, you see a bunch of temporary buildings being set up. There seems to be large tents, maybe a couple of smaller wooden stalls. Most of these places are currently selling lanterns and sort of other sort of regalia for the area. Maybe a ceremonial outfit, a ceremonial dagger or sword or something like that. Surprisingly, no one seems to be selling food. No one seems to be like exceptionally pushy about their sales at this moment. Now, we do know that the festival, the start of this seven-day festival is in about two days. So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that'll change, but who knows? What's the first thing you do as you begin to enter town, if anything? Hmm. I'm going to stop by and look at the ceremonial daggers. Yeah. When you look at these daggers, they're slightly different style. They seem to actually be just a little bit shorter than your standard dagger, which normally would have, like, maybe like a six to eight inch blade these ones maybe have closer to a four and the tip is very sharp but it does not seem to be necessarily very sharp on the blade side of it It seems to be more of a stabbing dagger as opposed to having any slicing capability can i acquire how much one of these daggers would be you see like a couple price tags and one of the things you notice is that their currency seems to to be a little different there seems to be using gems as opposed to your standard gold, silver, and copper coins. However, I think it's safe to assume you guys have exchanged your currency a little bit, but you do see that it is four sapphires for this particular gem, which you easily have in your possession. Okay. I will pay four sapphires and see if I can find one that has um, red in it. Like on the, the design? Yeah. Yeah, so... The blade itself is metal, but when you look at the sheath, you can see it's kind of ingrained with red dye in the metal and a little bit of rubies that seem to create this ornate hilt. Um, I will take this one, if you don't mind. Um, I think it's very beautiful. You do very good work. You look at this backsmith, about human in, in his 20s or so, probably fresh out of apprenticeship. Probably not necessarily the master of the blades. Perhaps there is an, an older gentleman somewhere else, but kind of stands up a little bit. It's like, you want you want this one? Uh, yes, please. Is uh, someone sick? Is someone sick? Yes. Um, well, I fear my brother may be. Well, may he pass on quickly then. Hopefully the stagger will serve you well. Oh, thank you. Yikes. And she kind of keeps her thoughts to herself about what that may mean. May I inquire what the uh, the meaning to each one of these is? I apologize, I don't understand the question. Well, you asked her if someone was sick when she purchased a, a ruby dagger. Is that a... Oh, I see. See, the, the the gems don't have any particular meaning except as a representation of the person itself. You pick one that means something that's, that's representative of the family, but these daggers are designed to end pain quickly if things so come to it. 
Sometimes you are very hurt and things can't be healed. What better way to honor that than with a clean blade? So what I'm gathering is these would probably be an awkward gift to give someone. Why, why would it be awkward? Everyone dies. Isn't that why we're here, to celebrate death? Well, yes, but if I snapped your neck right now, that would be unpreferred. If I gave this dagger to a seemingly healthy person, would that not be a strange message? Well, why would you give it to a healthy person? Maybe they enjoy daggers. If I did not know... What I'm trying to say is, I'm not from... We are not from around here. We don't understand the customs. I'm just trying to gather... I have a friend who is from around here, and I thought maybe to acquire one of these for her, would it be strange if I gave a healthy, non-ale person, ale? Ill? A person, one of these daggers, as a gift. I would advise against it, but whatever you think is appropriate for your friendship. I feel like it's inappropriate for my friendship now that you advise against it. Thank you very much. I mean, there's a lot of tradition here, so uh, you'll find that many people are willing to inform you about their the traditions, but be careful not to step on anyone's toes too much. I always look where I step. Thank you for your time. What's good out of here? I believe that it is a, quite a beautiful sentiment, actually, but... Oh, I, I fully understand the sentiment. It just kind of sprang it on us, and it was a little bit of a surprise. Did he hear me mention that I thought it was my brother? Sure. I mean, you guys are kind of in the same area. I would allow it if it's interesting for the story. It just depends on whether or not he brings it up. Nope. Seems super personal. <laughs> super awkward thing. Now, so your brother's dying, huh? Yeah, well, tell me about that. <laughs> He's there on his... uh on his yellow axe beak and um that's that uh Casey have a camera from back in the cyberpunk world he's pulling out of a fanny pack and just taking pictures and putting it away that was the other festival you don't get to uh you don't get to make that decision I'm asking for him I'm just you know <laughs> giving him ideas take, take pictures of the death uh the death festival <laughs> ooh death daggers click <laughs> <laughs> not even asking if I can take pictures. You say that, but you never meant that. <laughs> <laughs> what other things are, like, being sold nearby? Primary lanterns at the moment, uh, some ceremonial cloths, these daggers. There's probably some, like, more mundane general good stuff, but I think that's not as quantitative as more of the ceremonial items that you can get. So everything seems to some sort of meaningful thing. There's no light. Uh, like, what's, that's not what I'm looking for. There's, you said, specifically said there's no food, right? Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any food stands that have popped up. So while yeah, there's probably restaurants in the distance or something like that, like places to get food, they're not actively a part of the festival. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, it seems we have a few uh, days before this actually starts. Do we wish to hype I'm at a loss. Actually, I, I did not think we'd get here this soon. Did we arrive at day or night? Day or night. During the day, we're like, what time? We're at like noon or so. Oh, hey. Can I check out the stall selling 
lanterns and see if any one of them particularly calls for me. Reminds me of myself. Roll a charisma check. And just add my charisma? Yep. 17. You take a look at some of these lanterns going up and down. There's some that seem to be in orange or yellows or red seem to be pretty popular. But nothing really strikes you as interesting until you kind of hit this gray one. It's gray one with uh, some like gold leathering around the sides. And it's almost like the, the odd one out. Like everything else is so colorful. And this one seems pretty bland in the comparison. But it does catch your eye. Oh, um... I just look around for somebody and say, um, can I take this one? How much is it? Uh, this one, this is a jade. Oh, okay. Um, I'm sure I have that. Um, and she just roots around in her pockets real quick and pulls out a small jade and, and says, is, is this enough? That's fine. Um, may your ancestors be blessed by your gift. Thank you. Um, is there rules against setting one down for yourself? I guess that depends. I mean, there's no rules to this festival, per se. It depends on what you think that represents, but no one's going to stop you from lighting a lantern for yourself. I just, I guess the symbology wouldn't wouldn't quite quite be there, if you know what I mean. Um... All, all right. Uh, well, I suppose um, maybe an interesting ton of events to to do it for myself, but... You know, maybe there's symbolism in guiding yourself to the afterlife, albeit a bit, a bit early. Well, it's post-mortem, I'm afraid. I, I don't I... understand. Yes, well... Something happened to me a long time ago that I'm still dealing with, and maybe this will help. Thank you. Well, may you find some peace. Thank you. Um, have a good day and festival. And I just kind of solemnly show my way out. That's so sad. It's just all so sad compared to the last one. Well, uh, I don't know about anyone else. Um, I would, how would we, uh... Go to the inn, get ourselves some rooms, and maybe find out the do's and don'ts of the uh, this whole deal. I see you've picked up another lantern. Uh, condolences? Um, uh, it's for personal reasons, just a second one for someone yeah. I once knew, and... Uh... No, no need to say any more. No need to say any more. Unless it's going to somehow inadvertently affect the rest of us. It's all you. She kind of cringes internally and thinks, oh, well, hopefully not. And kind of carries her two lanterns back to her little riding bird and says, I'm, I think the tavern is a great idea. We could have a drink for the dead, uh, learn some uh, local customs. Fantastic. You walk a little bit, and you see the Green Monkey Inn kind of right next door. And this place is already kind of kind of packed. But, you know, you can get in. There are still one or two open tables in this 30-table tavern. There are a few waiters, and you're kind of just, like, expected to seat yourself a little bit. 
you're probably used to more like square tables, but these ones are circular and they have this dolly in the middle of it. And people are talking. This is probably very familiar to you. It's still a tavern. Like these people are still talking to each other, but they're almost accenting their communications with these hand symbols that they do to emphasize certain points. But you are seated quickly. There are groups of people playing mahjong in some of the smaller tables. Uh, other places are getting food served right to the center, and this dolly kind of goes around as they uh, put it on their plates. There's tea, there, there's alcohol, there's a lot of uh, rambunctious laughter coming from the tables. This place looks nice. It's, I've noticed, making port in uh, various locations. Taverns are always, it's always the same meal with different spices, as I like to put it. It's, they're always doing, it's always the same. But there's a little bit of a different flavor to each one, you know what I mean? The local flavor, yes. Mm. This one includes a lot of movement, and apparently a lot of, I, I swear I hear bobbity boobity somewhere. This is uh, other visitors. Okay, <laughs> Let, let's, <laughs> let's talk about what? these, uh, these, um... <laughs> This language. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was a, a, more of a Japanese thing, not Italian themed. But well, I guess <laughs> these things that they're emphasizing with their hands, it almost looks like a sign language. Like whenever they they are trying to provide emphasis on the point, they seem to bring out a sign. Maybe it's an emotion they're representing. Maybe it's specific words that they're trying to say. But it, there's like an extra conveying a meaning. They're not just simply like talking with their hands, as you might you might expect from. Oh, okay other cultures. We haven't had our Italian-themed festival quite yet. Okay, okay. So there's, like, it's actually, like, symbols and, like, things Correct. being kind of, like, anyone doing the awkward turtle, or, like... Uh, just you. Just me? <laughs> As you guys head to your seats, you do notice that there is one dwarf that seems pretty rambunctious. He's probably your first clean-shaped dwarf that you've seen in a long time, besides maybe some of the younger folks. He has long black hair that's tied into a ponytail behind him. He has this kind of like small, almost buckler looking looking shield that's kind of on his back, as well as a curved sword on his side. And he seems pretty tan for a dwarf. A lot of dwarves kind of stay underground a lot of times, so they get kind of pale without, without a lot of the sunlight. But this one seems pretty copper tent is if he he spends a lot of time outdoors perhaps he's an adventurer or some form of hard laborer that that works outside he has very small features on his face and his jaw actually seems pretty round as opposed to square that you would kind of normally expect from the dwarven culture of the area but he's sitting there he's holding a cup of tea in one hand and some form of pint in the other, and he's telling the story about a lost brother that died in a war. And he's like getting into it, he's passionate, and as he begins to get further into the story, it begins to kind of silence some of the other people as he continues telling this passionate tale. Now, as that happens, Vivette has this gray paper lantern, and you can see the lantern light for just a second as this person is speaking. Do we all notice that? Do I notice this? Sure. Yeah, everyone at the table can notice it. Oh. That's, did you buy a magic lantern? No. Um, I... This is a very special lantern to me. I don't know why it would light up. Can I... Is there like an arcana check or... 
Do a religion check. Religion? Yeah. Probably religion. Yeah, then a uh, religion or history. Can I see if I know what war he's talking about? Sure. I'm trained in history. Sure. Uh, 16 for you, the religion check. Are you trained in religion? S- yes. Okay. 17 history. Yeah. So, Babette, maybe you did a little bit of research before entering a little bit about this festival, but they say that when a spirit is watching over you, the lantern will light on itself before you place it into the room. Interesting. I guess somebody is watching over me. Hmm. Honor, you think about what battle this may have been, and this kingdom doesn't normally participate in a lot of the world events that go on. Perhaps they're participating a little bit in the cataclysm just because of the huge emphasis of having this cyberpunk versus um, fantasy-esque battle, but what they usually have done in major conflicts is set themselves up as mercenaries. So a lot of people kind of go out, they are considered highly trained fighters, their monks and other unarmored type fighters are able to kind of move through the crowd pretty quickly and reach the targets they want, so in a cavalry setting where a bunch of people are going forward, they use that kind of cavalry distraction so this mercenary can go into the back and perhaps get the person in charge. So not really an assassin because they don't really participate in that kind of work, but definitely they are set for kind of battlefield control. They kind of act as an additional asset that they can do that. And this whole entire kingdom is built upon that well. So many of the mercenaries go out, um, sell the services and bring the money back to the kingdoms because a lot of the farms here aren't as plentiful as you would normally expect having such a large river here. They need to depend on their martial prowess to earn money as needed. So what I'm hearing is they can't grow stuff to export, so they export their services instead as very highly trained, irregular troops. Yes. And then, so this is just some generic skirmish between two smaller, I don't know, lordship somewhere elsewhere nothing particularly important in the world stage probably something that happened within the last like 20 25 years ah he's a dwarf right so he he lives a long time so he doesn't seem like a young dwarf either he's not like in his 40s he's probably somewhere in like his 80s to 100 type of thing so if he's talking talking about a family member uh i think you have to think a little like a little further back than even yeah. since Arnar's been alive, but there are plenty of land conflicts that happen happen all the time between lords of Kolor, even the Blackwater Mansion. Dope, 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 dope. Casey, what are you up to? Casey probably would have listened to the story for a couple minutes and then been like, okay, I'm bored now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he's just probably just gonna mingle with people around the tavern, like, you know, try to learn stuff about the town, a little bit about the festival. Figure out what this strange fruit is and what you're supposed to do with it. Give me investigation with charisma. Okay. So plus five. Twenty. Nice. So you mingle a little bit trying to get what you can. And this festival seems pretty somber because of the cataclysm. Cataclysm happened about ten months ago. While there was a spring festival that kind of did the same thing, the two continents were still at war. So many people weren't able to really grieve and moan. So the somberness of this one is that people have returned home and now they have to sort of think about a lot of things that they have lost. On day three of the festival, 
they are going to light the lantern and push it down the river. Some people do it earlier if they want a more private private ceremony. Some people do it later. There's no real rule about the lantern thing besides that there is kind of like a formal event in a few days, but it's largely based on how you choose to respect your, your friends and family. You look around to get a feel for the room and this dwarf that's telling the story about this conflict and his family seems to be lightening up the mood quite a bit. He seems to be a center of morale for the group of people here. Just kind of asking people to tell their stories, trying to get them to comment on these things, and ultimately bringing a jovial mood. However, someone wants to smash your durian when you get too close. No! Save it. Also, with your investigation check, you, you take a look around and you hear that there is a lot of workers currently at the river. There seems to be like a sludge problem that they're trying to clear out so the water can flow a little more freely, which strikes you as kind of odd. If this river is as big as it is implied to be, then there shouldn't be, shouldn't, like, the river should take care of any problems like that itself. Okay. I'm just going to go over to um, the the guy that is talking and everything and, and say, would you like a drink? Yes, huh? Oh. You're pretty. How how can I help you? Uh, a drink, sure. Yeah, let's get a let's get a drink. Um, uh, where are you seated? Um, over here with some friends. Um, I just wanted to buy you a drink. You seem like you've been through a lot, and I just wanted to honor that. Like, oh, uh, thank you. I, I appreciate it. Uh, my my name is Xian Long. Xian Long. Um, my name is Vivette Moores. Oh, oh, great! Wait, well, let's uh, let's go to your table. We can we can chat. Uh, how are you doing today? Did you just get in? It looks like you have a little bit of of road road dust on you. Uh, yes. Uh, and she dusts herself off a little bit. Um, we did just get in. Uh, we are new to the area and very excited to take part in this festival. Um, do you have any tips or? Uh, anything that's that we shouldn't do. I mean, you're don't hurt anyone. I mean, it's bad luck if you destroy a lantern. Um, you know, try to give people, you know, just common courtesy things, I guess. Okay. Um. Well, uh, what what do you drink? Ah, uh, oh, I drink rice wine. Okay. Um, and I'll just signal for someone to come over and bring uh, a rice wine and uh, an ale, if they have it? Sure, yeah. So eventually, we'll say that as Vivette is having this conversation, a waitress comes over to Arnar and Casey. What, what would you like to eat? And as she says eat, she gives a sp- very specific sign. Well, you know, uh, neither of us uh, know. What is, the, what is the go-to local favorite? Uh, how many people are at your table? I, uh, three at the moment. Uh, our looks around. Looks like there's about to be four in a minute. Uh, we can get you a duck, some water spinach, maybe some egg and shrimp. Huh. You know what? That should, that should feed four people. Sounds perfect. Great. Drinks? Yeah, uh, what, whatever the local favorite is as well. I mean, tea is the local favorite. But most people that are not from around here want uh, alcohol, so... Yeah, uh, yeah uh, alcohol, yeah. That is, uh... We would appreciate alcohol, I, I believe. 
Tea as well. I mean, if you can bring both, why not? Sure. Celebration, right? After you complete your order, she takes off a piece of paper. You can put it on your table and you can read it and it has the exact order. Goes to the back, gets this small bottle, eats it up a little bit, comes back with this bottle of rice wine, sake if you're if you're interested. And as soon as she does that, she checks off what is on this receipt that she has given you. Interesting method. But uh, you got a whole party platter. It's awesome. Uh, before she leaves again, uh, excuse me real quick. Uh, so we don't commit any faux pas. I know drinking has a lot of uh, ritual uh, nature in uh, most places, whether or not they people recognize or not. Any do's or don'ts? Covering a glass, finishing a glass, flipping a glass over, making eye contact while drinking. I've noticed many places have many small things that are very rude that no foreigner would know about. Drinking is a social activity when it comes to these rice wines, so she kind of shows you of these four, four small cups. They look like shot glasses, but they're made from a ceramic as opposed to glass. You pour in there, and you're supposed to, like, make eye contact, and it's a ceremony drink. Everyone should drink at the same time until they're done drinking for the night. So, All right. Easy enough. Simple. Thank you. And I come over with my ale... And I'm just like, what are we doing? Um, I found a friend. Uh, oh, is this a sm- what is this small cup for? Well, uh, apparently, uh, I'm sure our friend could correct me when I uh, display this in wrong. Uh, we all pour drinks, making eye contact. Distinct. I don't know how we four make eye contact at the same time. That seems difficult. I guess we all look in the center, it, it, and it's then like- we. It's like a, a knowing look. So, like, <laughs> it's a knowing look like, hey, I want to drink. Do you also want to drink? And then once the consensus of drinking happens, everyone raises their glasses and takes a drink. We all take a drink at the same time. Are you okay with, uh, uh yeah, yeah, you're okay with liquor? Yeah, surely. Let's do this. Um, uh, I'm fine with it. I don't usually mix it with ale, but I've only had uh, a sip. So, um, I will put this to the side. Uh... And, uh, let's try this local alcohol. Well, to, uh, um, new experiences and uh, new friends, apparently. Uh, cheers? Sure. (laughs) And just throw it back. Cheers. Cheers. Arnar shoots it, not sure if he should shoot it, but he shoots it anyway, because, you know, it seems the shooting size. Yeah. Yeah, I do the same thing, and I'm like, oh, it's warm. Oh, yeah, it, uh, she just heated it up, by the way. It's warm. I probably should give you the heads up there, huh? <laughs> a couple moments pass, and we see the first dish come out. It looks like, it basically looks like scrambled eggs with shrimp and scallions in it. it sits down to the table, and we'll just get kind of like the, the food order part away right now. Uh, eventually, this sort of green water spinach comes out. It seems to be in some form of like a black, almost sticky sauce that's on top of it. And then you get a roasted duck with these small pieces of breading that you can open up. It almost looks like you're supposed to make a sandwich with some scallions and some sauce. Uh, did they give us chopsticks? Because that's not going to agree with Arnar's big meaty hands. The, He's got to give it a shot though. There is, I'll roll for it. There is probably chopsticks already on the table. All right, Arnor's giving Chopsticks a shot. Uh, sleight of hand, right? Yep, he's doing it. Probably, yeah. Because I don't want to decide if he's good or not. We'll see if he is. Oh, nat 20! What, what a waste of a nat 20. Arnor wow. is a pro. Arnor is old hat at Chopsticks. 
he nails it. He's like spinning him around. He's like doing all these per- <laughs> like not even like not even looking at like after like the first two like temps like not even looking anymore. Just like making eye contact, with Casey like talking to him while just chopsticking away. Absolute expert. So Shen look looks at these guys is not eating because not you know he didn't he didn't order it but we'll sit there he's like so you guys are coming into town for the for the festival oh yes uh, my name is my name is Shen Long what's yours uh Arnar uh Arnar Jerry Namanis this is a uh, uh Casey and I believe you've already met Vivet uh what hmm what brings you here to our table I I was invited I'm very glad a local is here to talk to you but uh I was invited. Oh, fantastic. I invited him, yes. Um, I thought we may learn some things, and, uh, well, he seemed nice, and he's been through a lot, so, um, just something kind to do. We definitely need more friends. So, have you guys seen the, the bridge yet? From a distance, yes. Oh, we should, we should go check it out. I know they're having that, that problem down by the river, but maybe, uh... Maybe it's cleared up by now. You should check it out tonight. It's very, it's very beautiful. They light lanterns all along the side of the river. Uh, there's a little walkway that you can walk at. I heard it's a, it's a great date spot for these uh, youngins nowadays, but it's still a sight to see if you haven't seen it yet. And then these lanterns, these are just the standard lanterns, not the... Yeah, to, to, to light the path. Ah, okay. And those are, I assume, uh, I hate to assume for everyone, that was our next stop. We had to, you know, come here, you know, get a little rest after travel first, and then head on out. Sounds perfect. If you would uh, wouldn't mind showing us as well, that would be. Oh yeah, sure. Um, a little bit of the local history as we uh, walk. Uh, maybe maybe in a couple hours at uh, at dusk, it's uh, much prettier at night. Fantastic. Uh, great. Well, you sure know how to pick them up a bit. Well, sometimes you know how to pick them. You know, sometimes you don't. I mean, like, I'm not gonna say you know all of your. All right. Yeah. 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 Fa- amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. Well. Why don't uh, I'm gonna return to to my table and I'll, I'll see you in a couple hours. Uh, we'll just fantastic meet. I mean, you're probably gonna be eating here for for a bit, but we'll probably just meet right in front of the restaurant. Sounds great. Great. Yes, this is very promising. I definitely wanted to see the bridge. Um, is there anything that I can do for you? I I heard you lost your brother. Yeah. Or was that just a tale? I mean, that was. A long time ago. Um, part of this part of this festival is to kind of just reminisce with your friends and family about the people you lost, whether it's new or old. So uh, I am at peace with that uh, with that passing. But you know, it's always good to remember them, at least for these festivals twice a year. Well, I I haven't lost anyone. Well, I've lost a lot of people, but. I haven't lost anyone in my family yet, but I feel like my family is lost to me, and I'm I'm here for that. So I feel your pain, and I am quite sorry for you. Is there anything I could do? Well, there there is one thing, and he looks towards the the wine bottle, looks up, looks down to the wine bottle, makes awkward eye contact, looks down again. <laughs> Arnar says, just pouring the four shots again. Um, sure. Uh, Cheers! Another another bottle of wine for this uh, no, no, wonderful no. gentleman. No, cheers. I don't, you don't have to get me another bottle, I mean. <laughs> cheers. Oh, okay. Okay, cheers. <laughs> does this, uh, 
I imagine you four, you four can take the shot, and he goes back to his table. Mm-hmm. Well, seems a lovely gentleman. Uh, very kind. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to it. Oh, and a, a tour from a local. Perfect. I've never had duck. It's it's a little fatty. I'm liking it. Uh, it's just the skin. It's not like chicken. Yeah. It's, it's it, much better than, uh, uh, I don't know if any of you have been in a uh, situation bad enough that you had to resort to a seagull. Uh, considerably better than seagull. It, why? Like, wow, can I tell you? I've had chicken a few times, but I've had duck more, but I think I like the duck better. You're going to have to tell us the story of the seagull one day. Uh, It's not all that interesting. It was just bad fishing for a while, and we got near a coast and a lot of seagulls. Just, it was, it was just too easy. Uh, I believe with the, the one one lightning breath and dinner. Yeah, the the land saying I believe is a. Uh, I heard from back you know when we were Mesamola uh, shooting fish out of a barrel, except for this was blasting seagulls out of the sky with a concentrated, uh, coordinated blast of many different dragon breaths, and uh, really just it wasn't great, but it was you know food a lot of pretty much you drown it in spice. Is the only way to possibly serve that. And it's like one seagull gives you, you know, a child's appetizer. So anyway, enough with weird things that happened to me. We gotta we gotta soak in local labor, as we've been putting it. I've been putting it. While he's been talking, I kind of obsessively was trying to get some crud off of one of the pieces of his scales. But I noticed that he just had this one piece, and I was like, this is bothering me. Hold on. And I get out a dagger, and I just kind of scrape, and and I'm like, okay, there you go. What were you saying? Uh, nothing. Nothing at all. I uh, take out a cloth, and I rub the uh, shit that's on uh, Casey's face, just the covered in shit. Just absolutely... Just- <laughs> Oh man, how'd that get there? Wow, it's embarrassing. Someone threw it at you earlier. <laughs> so, you guys finish your meal. A little bit of time has passed. You guys probably drank a little more wine, but uh, you guys get up and, you know, it, it's about dusk. You see, uh, Shen Long, who has been talking to a couple other people, uh, kind of like make eye contact with you, but he- head outside to the front door. Hey, Shen. Uh, I believe uh, we have a. Uh... A tour scheduled? Yeah, you ready? It's uh, it's dusk now. Um, it's always like my favorite part of the day when you see the the sun out, but like it doesn't cast a shadow. It's 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 a beautiful beautiful time. Uh, are we walking or do you have do you have mounts? We have two birds and a horse. All right, go grab them. I'll grab mine, and we'll head down. Which is probably like do so. Parks like at the stable across the street or something. You know, street parking or uh or mounts. <laughs> Uh, I forgot to put a coin in the meter. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. There's a ticket on your horse. Yeah, you get a ticket on your on your horse. Okay, the court date's for after I leave here, so he'll never get me. <laughs> so he goes to the. He also has a yellow axe beak and walks out. Kind of leads you away towards the bridge. 
Oh yeah, so, you know, in a, in a couple of days this place is going to be a little more exciting, but right now I think everyone's just kind of in meditative processing of what this means. It's been it's been a rough uh, rough year, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, lots of lots of war, lots of battles. Um, uh, it's been pretty sad for some of the elven population in the kingdoms. They uh, don't seem to be doing very well. So, you know, while it is supposed to be a joyful event, it's just not not quite. You know, it's not just not exciting at the moment so uh maybe if you come back next year it will be it'll be a little better i heard there's a problem with the river do you know anything about that because the river seems pretty important to the festival yeah the uh the church of raksha will indicate that when the river begins to uh be it's like it, it like gels up i guess it's a sign that Raksha is upset, and so, um, but it happens sometimes. Sometimes there's like a, a little bit of slime or or soil that kind of builds up, kind of kind of creates a a makeshift dam. It just needs to be cleared up. But this one, this one's pretty bad from what I heard. So uh, the Church of Raksha sit there praying to to Raksha to solve the problem. Uh, other people are. Just trying to dig it out. Um, not not quite sure uh, if there's any real significance to it besides just a problem that needs to be fixed. I guess we could stop by that area if you want to see it. See if it's a problem of uh, geology or theology. I mean, I mean, sometimes some people will make you think it's both, right? I don't know. Uh, be- before we get there, uh, I noticed there. So we could buy anything we could think of on the way in but couldn't buy food. Is there any particular reason for that? Because I was looking to buy, I don't know, like a local jam, like maybe a pearl jam. And, yeah. uh... So, if you <laughs> Good night, everyone. And we made some black. That was... That was good. We never... You specified there was no food, and I was like, I had this pun ready to go! Anyway... Leading up to the to the equinox, normally is a it's a day of meditation. Then the days after the equinox is normally more for celebration. Uh, uh, so you'll be able to see more more vendors and stuff there. So uh, most people come in for the first couple days, meditate, think they recount stories, and then afterwards uh, they think about life in the future and uh, you know merchandise. I guess if you're interested in this pearl jam. <laughs> So he leads you to the bridge. You cross it. It's like this beautiful white bridge. It seems to be painted from white wood. It's it's pretty far across. You can probably fit like four carriages next to each other across. There are these red lanterns that hang next to the bridge that kind of lights it up. And it's quite a sublime sight of the purples in the sky, the red lanterns, the kind of like orange glow from the fire inside the lanterns. Uh, we see kind of like this slow moving river pass by and close by is some hills in the distance you kind of get like the browns and greens and then on the other side of the river is going to be the crossroads the crystalline crossroads built with this urban setting there's like the sense of a lot of different biomes kind of like meet at this spot you kind of see like the rivers the mountains the urban urban biome if if we want to call it that probably not an official term and there's a little bit of a chill in the air but he stops in the middle of the bridge. Oh, this is one of my favorite spots. This is real the real reason why I come to 
this town quite often in my travels. I will take the long way if I can pass over this bridge. It's a lovely bridge. There's a there's something I think special about our remembering our friends and family when we see the lanterns go down this river. Um, in fact, I think there's one person down there lighting. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who it is, but they're lighting their lantern early. I see one person on the side of the river floating a red lantern, and it's going slowly down down the way. Maybe won't be around for the thing, so getting in as close as they can. Yeah, I mean it happens. But as this lantern goes down, we see that the light inside the lantern has snuffed. It's like, oh well, that's not that's not promising. Uh, it means that the the soul that the lantern represents is not there anymore. Oh, that that's a little scary. Mm. Ominous. A little bit, but it it's it's symbolism, right? Yeah. Right. Probably. I mean, it just be wind. <laughs> it could be a poorly made candle. That uh, too. But yeah. Well, you said you wanted to go see the uh, the uh, the dam issue, right? The uh, the slime build up. Oh, whoa, whoa! Language. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's go. And he leads the way. Uh, so you go on the other side of the bridge and begin to travel. You are going against the current right now, traveling alongside the river. And the mounts make the, the trip easy for you guys, so it's not like you are really expending any energy. Eventually, we reach this area, and when you look into the river, you can see this sort of almost green and brown buildup in the center. And you can see the river moving very fast on one side of the slime, and then it, like, drastically slows down. But it's interesting, because you would expect this thing to kind of, like slowly erode away, but it all it's almost looks like it's set up as a wall. And there's like a bunch of people standing around trying to figure out what to do about it because they can't really jump into the river to fix the problem without being risk of, of floating away, but like they also must fix it or else the river is not going to flow correctly. But not even for the festival for, for all the uh, other issues that may arise from it. Can I try and reach behind my back and grab my Yipwa and extend it and try and push at the mass? Not from the shoreline. You would like have to get into a boat to to kind of reach the almost gooey mass. There's almost like you have to like descend like in a pretty steep side to actually hit the river itself. It seems like it's been built to to protect this walkway. Uh, so it is further than 10 feet. Can I look around for anybody that has a boat? I'm sure there's, there's plenty of boats uh, around that you can ask for. I'm going to walk towards one of the boats and say, I, I think if you get me close enough, maybe I can try and pull some of it away. Uh, we tried that. It's a pretty solid mass. Looks like we're going to have to take all of it out, or at least large chunks of it out. But we tried to shoot it. So we tried to throw magic at it without, that we, as much as we can without contaminating the river. Uh, we tried to poke it with long spears. Um, like... Have you tried to burn it? We have tried magic, all kinds of magic, but haven't haven't seemed to have any success with fire or or electricity. Or we even tried to like freeze it and like crack it without any without any real luck. Uh, they say it's a spiritual matter. I'm not really quite sure. Um, like, I can use force. Can I try from where I'm at to um? 
warn him, but try Eldritch Blast? Yeah, from the, the coast? Yeah. yeah. Sure, go for it. Go ahead and describe the spellcast. I'm basically just standing there, and I rub my hands together, and I close my eyes and then open them again and focus on the the mass that's there. I shoot out black and white energy towards this mass and um, large spikes and chains start to form and try and rip it away from where it is. Yeah, sounds good. Give me dexterity saving throw. Dexterity saving throw is eight. Go ahead and roll uh, Eldritch Blast damage. As you uh, begin to take this blast of energy, throw it forward, you see it hit the mass and like it immediately bounce back at you and you try to dodge out of the way, but uh, you end up taking the full force of your own attack. Three of us are just standing there just watching this happen. <laughs> yeah, nine okay. plus three is 12. Oof, uh, go ahead and take 12 damage. Now, this fisherman who's next to you, and he's like, oh, that, that hasn't happened before. Are you okay? Yeah, I've not seen that be... I've seen you use that plenty of times. It's never been deflected. It either misses or it hits. Ow. I haven't seen anyone be able to push it away. Ow. Um, well, that hurts. I'm... I've never seen that happen either. I was just trying to move it and something shot back towards me. Uh, what's the, uh... Like, we've had all sorts of wizards and mages come here with, with no luck like that. Uh, oh, well, not without that happening. We've had wizards and mages come down, cast spells at it. None of them have reflected back. What's the, uh, what's the, um, what's the difference, I guess, between... It's all, it's all very curious, I guess. Well, I was using force damage. Um, maybe I could use necrotic? Do you wonder, do you wonder? Risk it. Ooh. Um. Do it, do it, do it. People have thrown force and necrotic and holy energy at it, but not not like you. Um. Can I? Okay. You're the chosen one, Vivet. That was not the plot line I wrote, but she is now. Can. <laughs> can you get me closer to it? About 60 feet away. Uh. Sure, I guess. Uh, why don't I take one of you guys to help paddle this and get the current to take this away? Yep, coming. And as we get within 60 feet, I'm going to cast Daylight and see if that helps. Bounces back and you get a nice tan. Oh, that ruins her monochrome look. She summoned the power of the sun in a very, like, condensed fashion directly towards this area out there. And I'll take a perception check for anyone not casting the spell. Ooh. Yeah. 16. Not bad. 15, 3, 18. Yeah, so... Hey, we're doing good today. As you look towards the mass, as the bright light begins to evolve, and you begin to see some faces, and the first face you do see is one of Oswald, that dwarf inventor that traveled with Rythan into the city of Mesmola. And then you begin to see other faces. Faces of 
people that maybe Casey recognized, people that he grew up with that perished that day that the that the Upper City play fell onto that gentle chapel neighborhood. And it seems like all of these kind of like souls and spirits are just kind of like stuck in this mass as the daylight begins to separate them a little bit. And as that happens, we begin to see spirits rise, many of them having different sorts of weapons. And they begin to go right towards Vet, seemingly angry at her actions. Roll for initiative. Oh no! Ooh, there's a bad yeah. Ooh. As this happens, Xian Long looks towards another fisherman and says, You, roll this boat out, and kind of grabs Casey to take him into the boat as this fisherman begins to kind of roll them towards, towards the center to help out. As Vivette finishes the concentration of the spell, you do see these people coming towards you. 21 25. 23. 16 20. 17. 11, 15? 6 to 10. 6! Arnar was looking at the bright light and uh, blinded him for a second, so we go real slow jump on it. Casey, you're dragged onto this boat. You're about 100 feet away from like a, a very vicious looking spirit that actually seems to be going straight towards Vivette. Um, your target in this encounter is going to be two soldiers that come out. They seem to be carrying these Chinese curved swords, these Dao, they seem to be in kind of like almost like ceremonial armor, and both of them have that same sort of ceremonial dagger placed within their chest. The third target that seems almost looks like a priest of some sort, and seems to be kind of like almost directing the waves of these ghosts. Now, most of these ghosts are commoners, they don't really do much, they don't really have any sort of weaponry, but they are these three that do seem to be a threat. Hey, see you for sets. I'm going to draw my pistol, and I'd like to take some shots at priest-looking ghost. Okay, Because he looks magical. Yeah. Classic D&D. Hey, let's go shoot some ghosts! First one's a 24. Bullet goes right through it. Oh, snap! Oh, what about... Uh, I have, like, magical shot. My account's, attacks count as magic. If, you're, if your shots are magical, you hit. Okay, I'm going to roll attack for the second one. 21. Now uh, we'll hit. Cool. Damage. Bang. Bang. Ooh, a 10. 15 plus 6. 27 total damage. As you go in with the second shot, it looks towards you and it's going to use a reaction. Does a 9 hit your dex defense? No. <laughs> Alright. You are going to take... 10 cut in half, 5 necrotic damage as you can feel like your body begin to age very rapidly. Ooh! Boy. That's uncomfy. That's a feeling I haven't had to deal with. Okay. Chien looks at, looks trying to figure out what's going on. Stands there for a second and he begins to focus, he begins to meditate and there is this large ghost that begins to come out of his back. It almost looks like a direct replica of himself. He is bonus action raging. On his belt, he has a small dagger, and he just chucks it at the nearest person. It's Casey. It is his second rage increment, so he is rolling a disadvantage, which will unfortunately miss. But he, like, urges the fisherman to go forward. Now you are about, we'll say you're neck and neck with uh, Arnar and Vet. Uh, Vet, you're next set. 
I will cast a Shadow of Moil on myself, and I will prepare to get closer to the whatever this is. Cool. So as soon as Shien and Casey get right next to Pavette and, and Arnar, Pavette kind of like turns to the other fisherman and is like, go, go, go. And yeah, he gets to, to move very quickly. So you uh, will travel uh, about uh, 20 feet uh, this round. So you're 40 feet away from your victory. And as I cast Shadow of Moil, basically a dark energy just wells around me and starts to spark white lightning everywhere, but it's like a dark flame. Nice. Two of these warrior-looking ghosts are going to uh, move in. They're going to be ten feet away from the vets and Arnar, and they are going to manifest these, like, almost spirit bows in their hand as they aim forward. Now, they are rolling at disadvantage because of Shadows of Moil, but they will still try to hit Anyway, I have two attacks. First one is a two on the die. Oh, yes. Uh, second one is a five on the die. Probably going to miss. Other one is going to attempt two shot. That was a nat 20 on the on the other one, but it's still a seven on the die. Seven plus seven is 14. Does 14 hit? 14 does not hit. Okay. Then last shot. Maybe maybe I'll get one off. Uh, hey, 15 total. 15 plus my dex defense? No, this is against your AC. Against my AC. Yes. Okay, then the 14 and the 15 hit. Okay, so one of them whiffs completely. Maybe Nyx's Arnar's armor. Such a bad shot. But the mm. other one will uh, be able to hit with these two these two arrows. You're going to take 10 damage from the first shot and 12 damage from the second. This is necrotic damage, so if you have resistance, make sure you apply it. Do you have resistance to necrotic? Yes. Okay. Um. So it was. it would have been 5 damage... On the first attack, and how much on the second? Seven. Cool. Go ahead and give me two concentration checks. The first one was 17. Yes. And the second one is 21. Good. You take these two necrotic shots, but you're still able to keep focus on your shadows of Moyle. However, it is the priest's turn. The priest does not look happy that has been shot at with some sort of magical bullet. Well, some have don't they take damage from hitting me in Shadow of Moil? 2d8? Necrotic? My head cannon and what I said were, were two different things. <laughs> but as uh, these shadows begin to lash out, you do realize they do seem to be immune to necrotic damage. Priest's turn. They are upset that it has been shot at by some magic bullet and is going to look towards Casey as Uh-oh. he raises his arm and a ghost is going to come out. He's going to cast a fourth level spiritual weapon. Oh boy. 12 plus 7, 19. That hits. Alright. I'm gonna go ahead and roll damage. Rolling against his Casey. Dun -dun 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 -dun. <sighs> and you take 25 necrotic damage. Oh, what, what does it look like? So he's sending a ghost at you. So you can see this ghost up here for looks like a warrior. And it just jets from his hand, slashes you real quick, and then dissipates. Oh. He moves forward. I guess we'll we'll cantrip it up. We're gonna go ahead and toll the dead on Casey. Twenty against wisdom. Yeah, that beats. Do you hear this loud bell echo in your ears as your ears begin to bleed? Ow. Eighteen necrotic. Oof. Okay. And 
he's going to move closer to prevent an Arnar and anyone who can see him. Unfortunately, Arnar is in darkness right now because of Shadows of Moil. But we'll see that there is like almost this large ghost beginning to uh, expand out of his back, much like Xi'an Long. This takes us to Arnar. So I can't see Jack right now, right? How that shadows work? Is there room on this uh, boat to get away? Probably. I imagine that the vet is at like the uh, the front of the boat. You can probably get to the back of it, but it's gonna get you further away from your opponent. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't really do anything from the shadow, regardless. So, uh, how far does that make me from uh, them? Twenty feet. Nope. I'm lighting them all up. Big old breath. Yeah, you'll probably be able to get. This is a line, right? Oh yeah, mine, yeah, mine's a line. Yeah, so you only get one. I'm gonna, you know, go with a big papa in that case. Big papa. Okay. Yeah. Roll it. So, oh, twenty-six against. I'm rolling my strength against their dexterity. Their dexterity defense. If I, yeah, sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that'll hit. Cool, 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 cool. Five d six. Sixteen. Okay. Nice. Bonus action. Bonus action, huh? I'm still not in pity range, but I guess I will, uh, yeah, I'll use a rage. Why not? Okay. Why the heck not? And you know what? Screw it. All out. Action search too, huh? How about that? How about that? Ooh, get him. And I'll do it again. I'll do it again. Uh, 14, 18, uh, 21. Against Dex? Yeah. 21 will hit. Nice. Here we go. It's 46 this time. Nine. It's better. Ugh. 12. Good. Nice. This man is bloodied. Oh my god. Making a ghost bleed. Okay, he's conditioned bloodied. <laughs> he's gooey. <laughs> he's gooey. He's starting to disapparate. Yeah, that's it for me. Okay. Top of the round. Casey. Oh, top of the round, do you? I'm going to yell out to the others. Guys, I'm very tired. I'm going to use... Second wind to heal a bit. Ooh, that's a five. I'm going to take two more shots on the priest guy. Is is his ghost that he sent at me still flying around? You know, it seems to have disappeared. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to hit him anyway because he's... I'm very hurt and he has to go. Oh, no. 16? To hit the main ghost, that will miss. Oh, shoot again. Oh, yeah, that'll hit. That's like 28. Yeah, that'll probably hit. That'll probably hit. You know, who knows? Two plus six is fourteen damage. Nice. Yeah, I'm gonna action surge. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what Arnar does. Okay. I'm gonna do two more. Okay. You're gonna breathe. You're gonna breathe lightning. Yeah, through my gun. Oh. <laughs> Twenty-three on the first one. Twenty-one on the second. Okay. Yes. Unload. Seven. 25 damage. Okay. Great. Well, now you uh, you have uh, upset it the man. <laughs> so as as that happens, nat 20 against your con defense. Uh, that probably hits. <laughs> as he seems to target some form of magic at you, you do notice your vision slowly begins to get smaller until you are in this pitch blackness. And as you look left and right, you see figures floating in the air. When you get like a clearer look at it, you see people that you grew up with, people that have died recently, and one of them does appear to be a figure that looks like your mother. 
This is max damage. You're taking 40 psychic damage. Yikes! Oh, yeah. Yikes. I had 38 health. Ooh. You fall down to the deck with this brief look of your your mother as uh, you fall unconscious. And that was on your turn, which will uh, end your end, end your turn. Man, I should have done that when you hit the first time. <laughs> Gonna skip the other damage choices. Tian kind of like looks around, doesn't know what to do. He's going to keep sending the boat forward until he gets next to one of the other ghosts, and he's going to uh, recklessly attack. He will hit with his sword, and as he hits with his sword, the ghost on the back seems to reach over and kind of grab this other ghost, and uh, they seem to almost be to be wrestling. He's going to do a little bit of damage, but we'll uh, prepare a second attack. We'll miss the second attack. This will take us to Vivette. So you see AC and Xian Long to your right, engaging with one of these um, warrior ghosts, the ones that shot arrows at you. You see Arnart towards the back of you. You see the dwarf to your front, and to your left, you see another one of these warrior ghosts. So a lot going on. You are effectively surrounded by either allies or enemies. Who fell recently? Casey. Casey, okay. How close am I to Casey? 15, 20 feet, somewhere in that range. Oh, okay. I am going to use three of my healing light, and I am going to heal him from a distance. So it is 3d6. 12 healing to Casey. Yay! Casey, you uh, open your eyes. uh, You feel yourself kind of moving. You're still blind. Oh. oh, no. And as I go to heal him, I just concentrate on him and then black and white smoke comes out of my hands and, and drifts like into his nose and mouth and brings back some life. Oh, am I dead or alive? I can't see. Oh my God, Casey's dead. You're, you're, you're alive, but you can't see. I, I don't know how to fix that. Yeah, standard action. That's it. No, uh, healing light's bonus action. Is it not? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, so as my action, I am going to Sacred Flame, the big bad guy that's standing there. You'll roll against their deck side defense. Natural 20. Ooh. Nice, what's the max damage? Max damage is 16. 16 radiant damage. So they seem to be extra affected by the radiant damage, but they are still standing, if my math is correct. Yes, they are still standing. All right. Bunch of jerks. You can use your movement to move the boat at 20 feet closer to one of the targets if you want to. Do it. Do it. Or we can leave that decision up to Arna on his. I'll leave that decision up to Anna. One of the warrior ghosts is currently dealing with Shen Long, so they're gonna roll. 18 again will hit. Poor guy. He is going to take 18 necrotic damage, but seems to take the hit. The other one's going to swarm closer to Vets getting getting right next to her and manifest this ghostly sword and will reach down to strike. There'll be a 24 to hit on the first attack. Burn. Sorry, I have disadvantage, so let me roll again. 21 to hit on the first attack. Oh. Second attack will be 
I rolled a nat 20, but it'll be a 19 to hit. So both will hit. So it's going to be 11 and 9 necrotic damage, cut in half to 5 and 4 because we do have resistance. 9 total. It's this uh, this priest's turn, and he's going to turn his attention to the guy shooting lightning at him twice. What? I barely even heard him. And at this point, the spirit in his back is going to get bigger, and he is going to uh, place himself on the boat in between Bavette and Arnard, affecting everyone. As he gets closer, you can feel like yourself like almost beginning to, to suffocate around him, as if he's like affecting the air quality. He is going to pull out a sword, and he is going to swing at Arnar with a great weapon master. That's a 12 to hit, but he's going to use a guided strike to get plus 10 on this roll. Yep, that'll do it. This is going to be a 32 necrotic damage. Uh, as he uh, takes this large two-handed sword and just goes straight through you. He's going to make a second attack. This is 14 to hit? No! Yeah, so it's so saying, like, on top of that, like, you feel yourself beginning to, like, to suffocate around around him. Uh, he's going to bonus action, uh, and he's going to send his little, uh... Joke me! Raise his right hand, he's going to turn his little ghost out towards Qian Long, the one that attacked Casey not but uh, a couple seconds ago. We'll hit, and Qian Long is going to take 30 points of necrotic damage. This takes us to Arnar. Eee. At the start of your turn, it's going to be a 15 against your wisdom. Though. Ah, shucks. Yep. You're going to take 11 necrotic damage since you are in his aura. No. No, please. Uh, but it's your turn. All right. My turn, huh? I am going to fighting spirit, and I am going to a uh, pretty good weapon master attack him. Pretty good weapon. What's up? Pretty good weapon master. Pretty good weapon master. I guess it makes more sense a great weapon, pretty good. Whatever. Well, Screw it. Ooh. So 17 plus 320. Twenty will hit. Ooh, girl. Are there any gem dragonborns on these boats with us? Probably. There's probably at least one. Maybe not on the boat, but on the shore, on the coast. I look, see we're kind of far away, I go, oh, this might be weird. And I pull out Maelstrom from my back, palm to the uh, the base of the blade where the gem is, and then it just kind of starts rippling with uh, the energy a bit more than normal. And I swing away, and here we go. 17. And then Maelstrom has a d4 of thunder. Ooh, what is that? That's a three. That's 20 damage. All magic and all that. Nice. So uh, you're able to, uh, you see this like sound begin to ripple around him. It's like you can see his image begin to to phase out, but it will coalesce back into this figure. Still up. Still alive, huh? Hey, well, I got more swing along. So uh, advantage on weapon attack rolls, plural. I gotta always remember. That's all the rules of the turn. Yeah, uh, another great weapon master might as well. Also, do it to it. 20? 20 what? 20 will hit. Woohoo! Plus, so whatever this number is, plus 17. Math! What is wrong with me today? 25. 25. So, as you uh, raise your sword down and he begins to dissipate around there, you can hear this ghostly wail as he perishes. The ghost that is uh, to the left and to the right of Vavette also dissipate with him, and we can see this goo begin to go away. But as he does this, you cover your ears as he is going to spend his last moments. 21 against your con Con, I'm pretty sure that might hit. Con, yep. All right, go ahead and take 
13 necrotic damage, and we are out of combat. I'm gonna say right now, I full blown did the Aragon in uh, the Return of the King. He swings his sword, and I block it. He's like, Ooh, you can block it, and I grab him by the neck. And he's like, Ooh. <laughs> and it's like, I should be able to grab by the neck, and then ah, bring it down. But yeah, my ears start bleeding, I guess, as he dissipates. I um, immediately see that Arna is hurting, and I send to him. Wait, it off. Wait, Casey's Casey's worse. Casey's worse. Casey's worse. Casey's. No, I'm fine. And then I trip on the boat and I fall in the water. <laughs> oh no! Now we're on a rescue mission. Casey, after about two turns, I think it was uh, twelve seconds, you uh, get your vision back. You are uh, maybe about sixty feet away from the party. I, I swim to the boat. <laughs> I'm okay now. <sighs> okay. Can I tell which one is hurt worse? Oh, it's me. Pretty sure it's me. Okay. Casey, you make it back to the boat. Well, I, I don't know about anyone else, but uh, I recognized some of those people, and they were from the city. They were from Mesomola. Shen, I don't know if you know, Mesomola, the other continent, capital city. I've heard rumors about that place. Uh, yeah, there was a dragon attack there. There was a bombing. There was a lot of people died, and I recognized some of those people here and now problematic i saw my mother she died a long time ago how was that possible uh, well maybe this thing had the ability to look inside our thoughts or read history but it for sure knew how to get to us through our ancestors i think it's more important than ever to light these beacons and put them on the river. Something weird happened with the passageway of life to death and it culminated here. So I think, Shen, that whatever it is your people do here, it's going to be more important this year than ever. Uh, perhaps you're right. Um, well, let's, uh, let's get back to shore and um, maybe we'll see about sending out the lanterns or some of them and guiding people to the afterlife. Shink! sheathing the weapon or too many people see or it gets awkward I don't know how they feel about it still I try and like wipe Casey off a little bit as it comes back on to one of the boats but my dress is made out of sheer material so it's kind of just like wiping sheer material across his face <laughs> Casey's of course very wet but you if you're doing that you'd probably notice he's crying a little bit and I, I just, I, can I try and help him up? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I just try and like lift him up and 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 tell him it, it's going to be okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I could warm you up, but I have to cast a fire, and then I think I'd just hurt you. Uh, I'll, I'll dry off naturally. It's fine. No, it's only getting into evening. You guys get back into the shore and everyone kind of welcomes you back as you guys were able to solve the blockage thing like the news of what happened was faster than you getting to the shore kind of patching yourselves up drying off and heading heading back to town and you are treated as guests of honors for the rest of the festival you find yourselves not paying for anything and when you arrive to the day of the equinox where everyone is putting the lanterns on the river you guys are put in the center of attention as 
people are waiting for you guys to send off your lanterns before they send off theirs. Your lanterns will lead the way of all these souls to the afterlife. I put my families in, and then I hold back a little bit, and I take mine in my hands, and I say, for whatever it's worth, I was once someone else, and am now me. Please guide me on my journey. And I put mine down into the river, and I use a firebolt to set it ablaze. So everyone's looking around like, do we follow that? <laughs> little ominous. How do we follow that up? Come on. People began to put their own lanterns inside on the river to kind of set off behind those two. Honor and Casey, are you lighting a lantern? Yeah, Casey, Casey lights a lantern. I don't take Buffett's lead. I go up to the water and I probably watch what Shen does first because I assume he's also getting this, you know, the four of us are doing this at the same time. More or less, yeah. Because I feel like maybe Vivette's Viking funeral style fireball maybe isn't the normal way to do it. And when I see what he does, I just copy it. I just, you know, kneel at the water's edge. I take the candle out, use a little bit of my little touch of my breath weapon to uh, with the little spark to light it. And I send it along the way up. I don't think I say anything out loud. Yeah. But uh, while it's floating away, Arnor's got his hand on uh, his uh, armband on his side. At least three people light their lantern on fire as they set it off. Because uh, <laughs> Vivette <laughs> did so. But with that kind of imagery, we have five lanterns kind of leading one on fire as it's probably beginning to sink at this point. You know, I'm glad you guys are here. One day... Maybe I can be as verbose or open as that man in the tavern. But I feel like there's more to this story I should tell. If we are going back, you may be in danger. And I want you to know what's coming. And she just sets and waits. And we'll fade to black there. <laughs>